It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Maybe on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. Welcome to Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it is weekend mailbag time. We haven't done one of these in a bit because we've had so many training camps to get through. But now we've got the weekend where there's no game, there's no training camp, and so many questions because most people have not been able to get to training camp. Obviously, Chris has been there every practice, so he knows exactly what's been going on and some of the things that have been catching the headlines, some of the things that have fallen on under the radar, just general observations, a ton of them to get to. And when I said Chris, of course I am referring to the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, mailbag time. Did you miss the mailbag? Oh, I always miss the mailbag. Message, uh, yeah, yeah. I love the mailbag, honestly, because it's fun. You and I get to answer questions and bounce off each other some ridiculous scenarios. I love the humor in some of the questions, too, especially the stuff about Teddy Bridgewater. Although, unfortunately, I'm looking through here and nobody asked a question about Teddy Bridgewater. So I'm not going to lie, Chris. I'm a little uh, disappointed. Yeah, that's disappointing. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Either. I, I'm a little upset about that. You guys, the listeners, got to do better. Come on, man. Let's start with Sean Stalker who asks Scott and the very big deal, Chris Nimbley, at what point can we start to worry that employing the Catman as our kicker could turn what could be our first winning season in four years into a season in hell, dot, 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 Eddie lives. Sean, that's why I love you, dude. You are the best. Anybody that doesn't know what that reference is from, Eddie and the Cruisers 2, go Google it. If you haven't seen Eddie and the Cruisers 1 and 2, go see it. It's awesome. I'm sure it's on Netflix or something. Great soundtrack, too, with John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, but that's what that reference is from. So, Sean, bless you for that one. As far as when it's time to be worried, right now is fine because Canizero has been terrible in camp, and I can't believe that they haven't brought in competition for him yet. It's going to be around the corner, I would imagine. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, and I'm going to say uh, the time was when he signed the contract. <laughs> um, that That's when I would have been concerned, or... Even you could even go back even further and say that uh, when he didn't want to re-sign here the last time because it, it was too cold here, and then he went down to Tampa, didn't have a good year, and then came back and signed here. So maybe we can go back that far. Uh, but if if you don't want to, you know, back it up and go back in time to do it, yeah, right now is a perfectly good uh, time to do it. And uh, yeah, if. Uh, yeah, I'd be concerned. Uh, there, you should absolutely be concerned. Uh, again, this isn't somebody, you know, we're not talking about somebody with a storied past and history here as, as some great kicker. So I, I, I didn't get the signing at the time. 
I don't, even if it was a, a kicker that, you know, I, I would have really understood, I'd still be confused that there's only one kicker in camp. And the fact that he seems to miss at least one uh, fairly easy kick at almost every practice um, it just makes me more concerned. So yeah, I don't see how you can't be concerned about this. And uh, he's, again, they, they're not, the Jets are going to be a much improved team. They're going to be battling for a playoff position most likely, but they're still going to be in a lot of close games. And I, you, I, I can't feel good about having him be the kicker. Um, so yeah, it's alarming and you should absolutely be concerned, but we'll have to see how this all plays out because I, right now, if you ha- made me bet on if he will be the opening day kicker, I'm going to go ahead and say, no, I don't have any idea who that's going to be, but I'm going to go ahead and say no. Cause I just haven't seen it from him. I'll yeah. say this much. I wouldn't really care that much about him not wanting to be here initially because of the warm weather. If he was actually good at his job, <laughs> but he's not, and that's why it makes it extra suspect that he's here in the first place. The number one job of the kicker is to be reliable, and I get it. You're not going to hit all the 50 yarders or even the high 40s or anything like that, but you've got to at least have some semblance of consistency, especially under 40 yards. He hasn't shown that at all, so they've got to get somebody else in here that's going to be more reliable. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I threw that part in more more as a joke. But again, in practice, he's dealing with perfect conditions. There hasn't even been a windy day. We haven't had any rain at practice at all. Uh, He doesn't have the defenses actually trying to block the ball. There's no crowd. There's no pressure. And he's still missing these 35, 40-yard chip shots. And yeah, of course. You know, miss a 50-yard field goal, cool, that, that happens. Miss a 40-yard field goal in a rainstorm with lots of wind, okay, I get it. Uh, but missing 35, 40, 45 yards in perfect conditions when the only one complaining about the weather is me because it's too hot, and again, he didn't like the cold, so the heat shouldn't bother him, that's, that's alarming. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. 
Next question comes in from Michael Palace. He says, I think the Jets should adopt the Sean McVay philosophy for the preseason. No starters in any games. What do you think? I don't think it's insane. They're obviously not going to do it, but I don't know. I think there's some starters that probably could use a little bit of action. Some starters that should be held out. Le'Veon Bell is an example. There's a reason he's being held out. Anybody with any major injury history. I don't like the idea of playing these guys a lot. Playing these starters into the fourth quarter seems a little much to me. So I'd probably go somewhere in the middle. I don't know if I would go the full McVay, but I do understand why he does it. That said, the Jets are clearly not going to do that, but it's not the craziest idea I've ever heard. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going in with it either. Uh, I do think it depends a lot on your team and the roster you have. Obviously, when you have more of a veteran-based roster, you can get away with that more. Also, when you have a team that everyone is confident is going to be, be a playoff team, then I'm all right with taking a little bit more in that direction. But the the thing with that, and like, I hate preseason games. I wish we could just skip through them, but they are important. And they're also important for the starters, the people who we know are going to make the team. They have to get into a rhythm. They have to get into football shape and actually hitting people. Even when they're hitting in, pra- in these full padded practice, full contact practices, they're still hitting their own team. So more often than not, they're not going all out. You have to be able to get used to that and get into the rhythm of that a little bit. I'm with you. You know, just do a quarter for the first game and a quarter for the second game. You can do a half and maybe a drive for the third game, and then that's it. Don't overdo it, of course, but you have to give them something. Because if you don't treat preseason like preseason – then what you're essentially doing is making the first couple of weeks of the season preseason. And this isn't basketball. This isn't uh, uh, baseball with 82 and 162 game seasons. You got 16 game seasons. You can't be afford, you can't afford to have the first two weeks of the season be kind of a basic preseason game for these guys. Next question comes in from Michael Parsons. He says, any potential high-end cut players that you think the Jets could pick up in the coming weeks? P.S. It's been great listening to you guys in the U.K. If the Jets play at Wembley in the near future, would you guys consider going to the game? So as far as potential high-end cut players, there's nobody I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there are guys that are going to be cut that the Jets would give major consideration to. I wouldn't have come up with Alex Lewis off the top of my head, for example, but nobody that sticks out to me. As far as the UK, I would love to. I've never been to the UK. I may end up going next year for a family function, but if the Jets play over there, it's only going to be a matter of whether I have the time and the money to do it because I would absolutely love to go over there for that. Yeah, I'm going to unfortunately give the same answer you gave to the the cut question. I just can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Uh, Admittedly, I also haven't been sitting here looking into it and trying to, you know, go through the other uh, teams and see who who might be a cap casualty. Uh, But there's always going to be a couple. There's always every year there's at least two or three names who you're like, oh, okay. Um, so just like, you know, in the off season, there's usually one or two guys that sneak through that everyone expects to resign, just like CJ Mosley. No one expected him to become available. So there's going to be a couple guys. 
you know, over this next week or so, I'll, I'll go ahead and take a look and see uh, what other people are saying, see if I can identify some of them. But I, I don't know who it is right now. Obviously, you would like it to be an offensive lineman and or a cornerback, maybe even the safety. <clears throat> but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, more likely, I could absolutely see it being a cornerback. Um, that's a position that you see that happen sometimes. So that would make sense. And yeah, if, if the Jets end up playing, I thought the Jets were going to be playing in London this year and I was getting ready to make my travel arrangements for that. I've never been over there. Uh, I'm Scottish. I, I've always wanted to go to Scotland. So I plan on going out to Scotland at some point. And if I can go to Scotland and then go swing through uh, England to go see a game at Wembley, uh, then I will absolutely be doing that. If that's that'll be a road game, I'm going to make sure I cover because I want to get my myself over there. If it's not Scottish, it's crap. There you go. I don't know if anybody remembers that sketch on Saturday Night Live. That was an old Mike Myers sketch where he had a store and it was called Everything Scottish. And whenever anybody would come into the store, he would say, "Welcome to Everything Scottish." If it's not Scottish, it's crap. So that still makes me laugh. If you haven't seen it, check it out on YouTube. Definitely worth it. Next question comes in from Brian at Go Whiskey. He says, first of all, I didn't think this was possible, but Chris is somehow an even bigger deal than before because after listening to your recent training camp recaps, he must have used different equipment for recording because it sounded so much better. Hold on, Chris. I'm going to live fact check this, whether or not you're an even bigger deal than before somehow. And fact check true. So <laughs> good job there, Brian. He also says, question, has Shell done enough to maintain that starting right tackle spot or is someone else a threat to take it? So I'm going to say he's going to be the starting right tackle just because I don't think Chuma Adoga is ready yet. I've been fairly clear on what I think of Shell. I think he's below average, and I strongly suspect that the Jets are going to move on from him at the end of the year. He's a free agent, and I have to imagine that Bam Bam Douglas knows he can do better or thinks that Adoga can take over at right tackle. That's a possibility, too. I don't think that Adoga will be able to overtake Shell to start the season, but would it totally shock me if by, say, mid-season, Adoga took over? No. Do I expect it? Not really, but it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. Yeah, um, he's he's definitely going to be the starter, and that's less about him than it is about having another backup there. So, you know, back to the previous question, if somehow – a, a starting caliber right tackle becomes available. That's really the only way uh, that Shell won't be a starter. That or obviously injury. Um, but it's not. It's not. I'm not saying this is a knock on him or a compliment to him. But like you just said, I did like the draft pick of Adoga, but I don't think he's ready yet. Even though he's uh, picked up uh, his performance the last couple of days of practice and is starting to look better but I don't think he's ready to be a starting right tackle. His shell hasn't looked bad this training camp. He hasn't, it's not like he's out there looking great, but he hasn't looked bad. He hasn't gotten just absolutely beaten, dominated left and right. So we'll wait and see how it plays out. And again, if I, if I was forced to, to pick right now, I'd agree with you that he won't end up being back after the season's over. Or if he does come back, it'll be kind of like uh you know, as a depth purpose, maybe just like they did with Jonathan Harrison this summer uh, where they, they paid him, they gave him money and, 
you know, okay, we have you penciled in as the starter if we need you, but we are going to look for other options. And if we find another option, you are basically instantly going to be uh, back up there. I could see something like that happening. But, yeah, he he's going to be the starter right now unless they bring somebody else in. And, again, that's not a, a compliment or an insult to him. It's just they don't really have anybody else right there ready to step in. I, I think that Dove is going to need – a year or two before – or not two, I should say. I think one one year he should be able to handle that starting uh, job for the whole year. That leads into our next question by John Flesh because we just talked about the Jets being thin in a position and not necessarily having a lot of competition. His first question is, will Roberts be the week one starter opposite Tremaine Johnson or is there another cornerback on the current roster that could beat him out? As of now, yes, Roberts will be the starter. And no, I don't think there's another cornerback that can beat him out. Yeah, there's nobody on this roster that can beat him out. Uh, Brian Poole's has been the best corner that they've had uh, so far through these training camp practices, but he's a nickel corner. He's a slot corner. Uh, You put him on the outside and it's not going to look so pretty. Um, Daryl Roberts has had a pretty good camp, though. He hasn't looked bad. Uh, you know, Trumaine's had his ups and downs, and Roberts has gotten beat. Again, all cornerbacks do, but he's looked pretty good. But, again, this is more of the scenario as there's nobody behind him pushing him. Uh, you know, maybe a, a Kyron Brown's been coming on. He's looking better, but he's more of an inside guy. Uh, you know, I've talked about Derek Jones in the past. I, he looked really good last year. I haven't seen a lot from him this year. He's also – it doesn't seem like – this coaching staff really has a lot of faith in him either. So uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and comfortably say Daryl Roberts will be the starter to open up the season. Which, by the way, I don't think is the worst thing. Daryl Roberts isn't terrible. Uh, you would obviously love an upgrade there, but he's going to have stretches where he plays pretty well, and then he's going to have stretches where he does kind of hurt them. But that's where you're going to need that D-line to step up and really help him out and apply some pressure. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. John's next question is, what are the odds that Marcus May ends up on the pup list or IR due to his nerve issue? And if he does, who will have the biggest impact opposite Adams, Middleton, Miles, or somebody else? I think there's a pretty decent chance that he ends up on the pup list. We talked about this a little bit in our pregame report before the Giants game. I don't have anything here other than my own gut and intuition telling me this but I just think that with all the injuries and with what you're hearing about the nerve damage and stuff and that can linger there's a pretty good chance that he's going to end up on that pup list again this is just me speculating I don't have any inside knowledge but those are my thoughts as far as who would be the guy next to Adams if this happens 
It's going to be Miles, just for the same reason that we said before. They don't really have anybody else. I know Middleton is somebody that's seen some time before, but it seems like the coaching staff doesn't really think that much of him, and they like Miles better. So unless they go out and get somebody else that I'm not thinking of, I would expect it to be Rontez Miles if Marcus May ends up on the pup list. Yeah, I don't know how to gauge this with Marcus. Uh, I don't know how to do any type of percentage because it's a nerve issue. You know, it's not, uh, there's no timetable here. Like doctors don't know how to, uh, how to go about this. They don't, the nerve issues kind of work on their own schedule and there's no way to really know it ahead of time. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be stunned if in two weeks they're just like, Hey, he's better. He's out here. Uh, And I wouldn't be shocked if he's not able to play for the first half of the season. Uh, I mean, that seems a little extreme, and obviously the Jets are hoping that's not the case. Uh, I would think it would probably fall more likely somewhere in the middle there, but I can't rule that out with the nerve uh, issue, and especially that Gase specifically avoided telling us about this for so long. When uh, the specific about the nerve issue, everything he said in OTAs now makes sense how – they want. They were comfortable with him being out there and practicing, but they still had the red jersey on him and stuff. And they they were scared because they didn't want him diving for loose balls. And now it makes sense because there's a nerve issue there. So I, you know, and he waited so long to say it, and it kind of reminds me of remember last year in Miami when he just kind of like lost it in a press conference because he was like, I'm tired of being asked questions about this guy. And he was about Tannehill and him recovering from his injuries. It feels almost like he's getting close to that point where we're not asking him about Marcus nearly as much, but he doesn't really have an answer for us. So he he's, it doesn't know what to say. He gave us the nerve issue thing. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. Obviously, right now, it's got to be Miles. My thinking still, if as long as Doug Milton is healthy, I would think he would be a better option to to play that free safety position. But the coaching staff clearly uh, likes and trusts Rontez Miles right now. So to start the season, if Marcus isn't back, it's gonna it's probably going to be Mar- uh, Rontez. But I won't be surprised at all if, Rontez is just a step slow on a bunch of plays over the middle at that single high safety, and they end up going to Duck Middleton. But again, as we've been saying for weeks and months, uh, if a, if a sa- available safety a safety becomes available, then I expect them to pounce on that as well. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. John's last question here is, I understand that Catman has been underwhelming, but what I haven't heard a lot of is potential replacements for him. Do you guys have any ideas? I'll be honest, I don't have that many kickers off the top of my head. I'd have to go look. But the first guy that comes to mind is Ross Martin. We know he can make kicks. 
And we know that he's performed well in training camp and in the preseason before. So that would be my first phone call. Yeah, I mean, that's the only one that I can think of off the top of my head, too. Uh, again, admittedly, I haven't sat here and looked at, you know, available kickers uh, sitting there. Uh, obviously, you're not going to have a Gustowski or Vinatieri sitting there available. Um, and and our, even us bringing Ross Martin, you know, he hasn't been able to make a roster. Even though I picked him to make the roster every year, he hasn't been able to make it yet. So I can't – I don't know how great that will actually end up being, but he's the only one I can give you right now off the top of my head. John actually does have one last question. He says, with the additions of Khalil and Lewis, what does your projected offensive line depth chart look like heading into the season? So the starters are going to be, I would assume, unless Harrison outplays Khalil, which isn't out of the question, but for now, let's assume Khalil ends up being the starter at center. Your tackles are Beecham and Shell, and then your two guards are Brian Winters and and Colecchio Semele. Then behind them, you would have Tom Compton, the newly acquired Alex Lewis, Chuma Adoga, and Jonathan Harrison. Now remember, Harrison can play center or guard. Adoga could probably be the swing tackle, play left or right. So that's not too bad. You've got three guys there that have legitimate starting experience in Jonathan Harrison, Alex Lewis, and Tom Compton, and one who's a developmental project who could actually end up being the long-term answer at right tackle in Chuma Adoga. Things are looking a lot better, and you should breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief now that they have more depth. It's not that their offensive line is going to all of a sudden become a strength of the team or anything like that this year, but at least... They have decent depth, and so if somebody gets hurt, you don't have to curl up into a ball in the fetal position. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's the key here is, you know, obviously they hope that Khalil will help improve the starting unit. Um, We'll have to wait and see how that unfolds, if that's actually the case or not. But it's not so much right now, or even before Khalil, they didn't have a great offensive line, and they had horrible depth which means that if they had one injury on that offensive line, then all of a sudden it was going to be a a below average line to, okay, there's problems here. And now at least if, you know, one of these guys has to go out, you can fill in with one of the other depth guys, and it's not going to be that big of a drop-off, whether we're talking about Alex Lewis, Chuma Doga, or Jonathan Harrison there. And as you said, Harrison will be a center guard swing there. Um, you know, so it's the same. Obviously, it's going to be um, Beecham, Osemele, Khalil, unless Harrison, you know, unless he really struggles to pick up the offense in time. And then Winters and, um, and Shell. But, and behind them, the same guys you mentioned. But it is good that they have some actual depth there, so it's not a huge drop-off from the you know, average-at-best starters they have because that's, that's the problem. If, if you have an all-world or uh, you know, all-pro uh, starting unit like the Eagles have had or the Cowboys have had in recent years, then it, it, to drop a small drop-off, no big deal – but when you have a an average to below average line and then you got a big drop off, that's going to be a huge problem. And the Jets have shored up the depth. So at least it's not that big of a drop off if they have to dip into that depth. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. 
Next question comes in from Gus Toon. He says, with Bam Bam Douglas enticing a player at a position of need out of retirement, Ryan Khalil, who do you think he entices out of retirement to play kicker? Perhaps Jay Feely? I will say this. Jay Feely looks like he's still in pretty good shape. I know he's doing broadcasting, but who knows? Maybe Joe Douglas gives him a call and says, Jay, come on. I know you still got a little something in that leg. Yeah, I, I I don't think this is something that's gonna happen with the kicker. I I can't. I'm trying to think of a like a recently retired kicker that would be funny for me to name. And all I'm thinking is Martin Gramatica for some reason. But that's not gonna happen. So I don't I don't think that's gonna happen right now. They're gonna. It'll be somebody who uh, is you know again. Ross Martin makes the most sense. So I guess he kind of retired. Gus also says, if Cashman lights it up in the preseason, do you think he would be better suited to be C.J. Mosley's running mate because perhaps they complement each other better than Avery complements C.J. Mosley? If that does happen, do you think there's a possibility that Joe Douglas calls his old team the Eagles and offers up Avery Williamson for one of the cornerbacks since the Eagles have a plethora of corners? So I would say that even if Cashman does end up as the starter, which I don't expect, I fully expect Avery Williamson to be the starter, you still would want Williamson for depth because it's not like they have a ton of guys at inside linebacker. But that is kind of interesting in terms of if they really like Cashman dangling Avery Williamson in a deal to the Eagles for a corner. I wouldn't be completely against it depending on what they could get. I obviously have no idea what the Eagles roster needs are, so I don't know if they need an inside linebacker. I think if Cashman really impresses the coaching staff and they want to go lock, stock, and barrel with him, they do have Burgess and they do have Neville Hewitt, so it's not like they wouldn't have any depth at all. But I will say if the Jets could get a potential starting cornerback for Avery Williamson, so the guy that I really like is Rasul Douglas. I've talked about this a lot. Really good tackler, big guy, six foot two, two 210 pounds, ton of upside. He, much like Sam Darnold, closed the season very strong. The last month of the season, he was one of the better corners in the league. Only 24 years old, looking to prove himself because he's going to have two years left on his deal, and it's a rookie deal as a third-round pick. He's got roots in the area. He's from East Orange, and he also started out at Nassau Community College before transferring to West Virginia. So if they did something like an Avery Williamson for Rasul Douglas swap, if the coaching staff was happy with Cashman as a starter. I wouldn't totally be against it, but I don't see it happening. I think Avery is going to be the starter. Cashman will play a significant amount of time, and eventually I think they may transition to Cashman as the starter, perhaps for next season. But anything's possible, and I do think that if Joe Douglas likes Rasul Douglas as much as I do, if the Eagles needed an inside linebacker and Douglas was content with Cashman as the starter, you never know what could happen there. So here's the thing. Number one, player-for-player uh, player trades are kind of a rare thing in the NFL. I know they have happened a little more frequently lately, but it's still a tricky, hard thing to pull off. So that's not something that I would bank on. But, you know, obviously if you could get – I mean, obviously if if you could include him in a deal for Jalen Ramsey, of course they'd do that. But as much as I've been talking up Blake Cashman and as great as he has looked and as much as the defensive coaching staff really likes him considering how much they've used him, still 
he's not going to be really pushing Avery for a starting spot this year. Really what I, I've been saying, and I think this is the case, is they're gearing up to use him in nickel packages and they're using coverage situations because that is a weakness in Avery's game. Avery has talked about how he's worked a lot on that, trying to improve that. He know, knew that was a hole in his game. He thinks he's taken a lot of strides in that. But I think that really they're just gearing up and trying to get him a cashman ready to use in that type of role. And then next year we can talk about moving cashman into a starting role. Now, again, if somebody becomes available and they're like, well, hey, we really want this guy and somebody's not sure what to – take from them and they need a linebacker I guess the best case scenario what you would have to hope for is probably is an injury somebody has an injury to a starting inside linebacker and then they happen to have an excess of cornerbacks and they're willing to do that or you know you know I'm not sure what the Vikings uh situation is but we talked about uh we've talked in the offseason about them potentially shopping one of their corners. So if one of them became available and you want to offer, then sure, I could see them doing it. But I don't see them doing it for somebody unless it's like a, somebody of a certain caliber. Um, they would prefer to keep Williamson and then have Cashman in there as the coverage linebacker and the backup situation and, and to protect that depth that they do have. Uh, because I agree with what you said about their depth. They could handle it, assuming all those guys stayed healthy. But one injury to those guys, and all of a sudden that depth isn't looking as great anymore either. So uh, I think it would take a fairly big-name cornerback for them to want to trade him for that. But, again, Cashman will get a lot of reps in coverage situations, and then I think next year is when you'll see him uh, I think they're you can kind of see that they're planning for that now. Like, hey, let's get them these reps. Let's get them in there. Let's bring them along with coverage stuff here, some sub packages, but then and prepare him for to be a starter next year. Next question comes in from the Jet Ranger. He said, what position group do you envision Bam Bam going after next? Corner, safety, kicker, wide receiver, maybe some more offensive linemen. Are there any players in particular that you think they should target? I think kicker is probably the one that comes next just because of immediate need, especially since Canizero has been so bad in training camp. Should go without saying at this point, but you certainly don't want to be picking Chandler Canizero as the kicker on your fantasy team. But regardless of who your kicker is on your fantasy team, you want to make sure that you're playing with the people over at Draft.com and the Draft app because they've got the best ball championship going. And guess what? The grand prize is $3.5 million. Yep, $3.5 million. Here's how it works. Real easy. It's a basic snake draft. No bells and whistles. You don't have to worry about salary caps or bidding or keepers or any of that stuff. Real easy. And then from there, you don't even have to manage the roster, so it doesn't take you much time. You just do the draft, you set your lineup, and you forget about it. They'll make sure that your best players are in the lineup every week. You don't have to put in any time. And just to sweeten the pot a little bit, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship and a shot at that $3.5 million if you sign up for your first deposit using the promo code that I'm about to give you, which is PLAYLIKE. Sign up today, draft.com or the draft app using the promo code play like. And as far as guys they should look at, it would be a trade, not a release. But I talked about Rasul Douglas before. 
Joe Douglas knows him well. He was there when they drafted him. I think he has so much upside. Again, twenty-four years old, six foot two, really started to come into his own as a cover guy. Already a very short tackler, and I think there's a pretty strong chance he could walk right in here and take the starting cornerback job out of the hands of Daryl Roberts. At worst, he would get right in there as the number three corner. And considering the fact that they're going to need to play a lot of multi-corner sets because of the way the league is now, and the fact that Tremaine Johnson is in injury issues in the past. Even worst case scenario, if he ends up not beating out Roberts, he would be a good piece to have. So that's a guy we keep an eye on because I think the Eagles, who have so many corners, are going to be looking to move one. Bam Bam knows Rasul Douglas well, and so that could be a potential match. And like I said before, Douglas is from New Jersey, and he played his first college ball at Nassau Community College. So he's got roots in the New York, New Jersey area. I just think it would make a lot of sense if he becomes available. Yeah, as far as uh, which position he'd attack first, I would say that basically it's going to be depend on uh, who becomes available first, more than the position, more than the need of the position. Uh, you know, if if there was a receiver that he uh, Joe Douglas liked to give them depth, I think he would pounce on that right away. Uh, it's probably it's not as important of a need. It's right behind because we talked about this. That top three is solid as long as they're healthy but they don't have a lot of depth there even with Burnett and Tim White having good training camps but the offensive line is more important the uh the secondary is more important but if a wide receiver became available he like he would pounce on that before doing that having said that if I'm gonna have to pick a position I'm gonna go ahead and say kicker because I think they're is probably a kicker out there that they can at least bring in for competition right now who isn't actually in camp with somebody right now. There is no cornerback. There is no wide receiver, no offensive lineman who's just sitting at home, uh, not in camp with anybody that I can see them snatching up. Uh, so it would have to be a trade or it would have to be somebody getting released by their team. So, yeah, I would I would have to say kicker there. Again, I, unfortunately, I don't have any specific names in mind for other positions. I, we have to wait and see. Usually it's like right after the second week of preseason that we start hearing stuff bubble up because we've seen enough uh, that some teams will have rookies pushing there. And then people will look, okay, well, they, they seem to be pretty close, even even, but this guy's getting paid $12 million a year and this guy's on a rookie contract. So the – this guy is uh, at risk of getting cut. So it's around that point that we can start to see and try to gauge and, and like identify players who might become available. Next question comes in from Joe Rowe, 312. He says, why don't the Jets sign Eric Berry and Austin Safarian Jenkins? Both are positions of need to start the year. I don't even know that tight end is that big of a position of need now that they've got Ryan Griffin, who they seem to like as a receiving tight end, to step in a little bit for Christopher Herndon to start the season before his suspension lapses at the end of four games. Wesco will be good as the blocking tight end, so... I wouldn't necessarily be against adding another tight end, but I don't think it's an urgent need. As far as Austin Safarian Jenkins in particular, seems like there's some personal issues there. There's a reason why nobody else signed him, and so I don't expect Austin to be brought in here. And Eric Berry, I love Eric Berry, but he just hasn't been the same player. Obviously, teams don't think he has much left if he's still out there right now. Yeah, I don't think tight ends need at all, honestly. 
Uh, Ryan Griffin has been really good so far in camp. And again, that was from day one. He just showed up and he put in work and he looked impressive. Uh, there's also Daniel Brown uh, to go with Trayvon Wesco. He's looked pretty good as well. Um, now, you know, none of those guys are going to be like defenses are going to be staying up trying to worry about how to stop. But they can hold the fort down until Herndon becomes available. And you're not going to get, uh, you know, a, a Travis Kelsey or a Zach Ertz or a George Kittle uh, going free. If, if that was the case, then, yeah, sure, go ahead, go after those guys. But right now they're, they're probably as, as set as they can realistically be at that position. And Austin Safarian Jenkins isn't an upgrade over any of those guys even if he didn't have the personal issues, I wouldn't be sitting here uh, acting like he's a big upgrade over any of those guys. I just, I, I loved his potential in college. I know he did some good things, had some flashes here, but he's never been able to put it all together consistently. He's obviously had his off the field issues, and I would just be a big waste of time, in my opinion. I'm rooting for him personally, but. I don't see it. And Eric Berry, you're not going to find too many bigger fans of Eric Berry than me. I was one of the guys sitting here thinking like, oh, there's a chance that he can be mentioned in the same breath as, you know, not 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 Ed Reed, not quite that level, uh, but like just below the, that level, right below him and Earl Thomas. And, and Palomalu, it, I was I was thinking you could mention him in the, his breath, and then he obviously had the cancer issues, and then he came back from cancer, and then he I believe it was his Achilles and and ACL he might have had both of them, um, and he just the last couple times he's gone out there, and it's just one of those things, you know. Growing up, I always you always heard stories about uh, Willie Mays and like watching him play after everything had gone. And that's what it looked like with Eric Berry too. It, it, it's just he, he's not there. It's it's so that would be another waste of time. As much as I love him and root for him, him personally as well, uh, the, you, you can go out there and find somebody better than him at this point in his career. That's going to wrap things up for part one of the weekend mailbag. We'll be back with part two of the mailbag tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure you follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.